And today we are looking at um, an event that happened on a road to Jericho. So the title of today is the Jericho Road. But this story is more commonly known as the Good Samaritan. Now, whether you have grown up in church or whether you are, you know, not from a church background, no matter what your background, if you live in the United States, you probably know what a Good Samaritan is. Uh, we have hospitals that are called, you know, Good Samaritan Hospital. There are nonprofits that use the term Good Samaritan. In fact, I know this past Christmas we packed some shoe boxes. We filled them with toys to send to underprivileged kids around the world and we sent that through a nonprofit and organization called Samaritan's Purse uh, there are laws in our nation uh, that are called Good Samaritan laws and what those are it means that if you're you know maybe going down the road and you see someone who's had a wreck and you jump out of your car and you try to help that person that that person cannot sue you and the laws different in different states but basically that the big idea is is that they can't sue you because because you were trying to help someone, a stranger, in need. So the whole idea of being a Good Samaritan is so familiar. So today, to help us hear this story with fresh ears, I wanted to read kind of a modern-day version of the Good Samaritan. Um, and this was from a, an author that I enjoy, and I like her stuff, Nadia Boltz Weber. She is a Lutheran pastor. So read her modern-day take on this story. A man was traveling on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho when a group of robbers or terrorists or cops attacked him by a suicide bomb or an AR-15 assault rifle or by shooting him as he lay on the ground and they left the man for dead outside the airport or on the floor of the gay nightclub or in his car next to his girlfriend, or along the route of the protest march. And the entire, the entire assault was captured on a bystander's cell phone and immediately uploaded to Facebook within seconds. A Lutheran pastor walks by and is so absorbed in watching the video of the attack and formulating her perfectly articulated outrage, outrage on tip, Twitter that she doesn't even see, she doesn't even see the beaten man that is literally right next to her. She wants so badly to be the good ally that she misses an opportunity to show compassion to an actual human being right in front of her. Then a director of a nonprofit walks by and is too burdened by the way in which he himself is complicit in the availability of the weapon or the bad conditions of the road, or the rigged economic system that contributed to the man traveling alone on an unsafe road, that he chooses to not even look up from his poetry almanac app. And he too missed the chance to show mercy. Now by the time these two have passed the man, hundreds of thousands of people have left horrible comments on the video of his assault, either in turn expressing racist thoughts about why it was his own fault or rants about the Second Amendment, and then a minute later, we are all posting our comments about this event as well. 
So by now, by the time the Samaritan comes along and sees the man who was robbed and assaulted, he gives him water and a cliff bar, dresses his wounds, gives him a ride to a hotel, and stays the night with him to make sure he is okay and pays the Marriott bill in full. I loved Nadia's take on this familiar story because as she tells it, I think for me, I've heard this story so many times from since I was a child. And whenever I hear the story of the Good Samaritan, I always walk away with feeling a little guilt, with feeling like I've not done enough. Do y'all ever experience this? I read this story, and every time, it's always like there's this pang inside of me. It's like, God, I've not done enough to help those who are in need, and I feel this tension inside of me. I wish that I had enough money and enough time and enough resources that I could help every child who goes to bed tonight without enough to eat. Do y'all ever feel that way? There's a, a homeless guy that um, so several times when I'm, when I'm driving home on I-75 and I take the exit ramp to Russell Highway, uh, there's a guy standing there and he'll have the cardboard sign saying that, you know, he'll work for food. And I, and I pass by him and I wish I could give him a job. I wish I could help him. I wish I weren't so afraid that he might actually harm me if I were to put him in my car and take him home. I hear of stories around the globe, stories here in Macon, and my heart goes out, and I feel, God, I've not done enough. And I think for those of us who are Christ followers, who want to live into the gospel, there is this tension that we feel when we see the needs of the world. We see the needs right here in Macon. We see needs right here in our own church family. And you feel this tension like, Lord, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. Or you see the complexities of poverty and you think the problems are just so vast and so huge and so complex. And I find that for me, I do one of two things, and, and maybe you feel this way too. So often I will either kind of over-function, and I try to do everything all at once. I try to help this person just a little bit, help that person just a little bit. You know, maybe you're in the parking lot at the grocery store, and there's somebody who's asking for money. So I, I give them a 10 just to kind of relieve my guilt, and then I turn my head because I don't want to pay attention and consider what this person's story is, what their life might be like. So either I try to do a little bit, and I don't go deep, and I don't do much, and I get pulled in a hundred different directions, or the opposite can happen to me, and maybe you have this experience as well. I just shut down. And I just, you know how there's the commercials about the dogs and the animals that are being abused? It's like I can't even watch that commercial. And so we change the channel. We shut down. We just close our eyes, and it becomes the needs of this world become like our wallpaper that we don't even pay attention to anymore because you say, it's too hard, it's too difficult. What can one person do? And I don't know if you've ever experienced this tension. And when I read the story of the Good Samaritan, it just accentuates that 
for me. And so as I read and I reread and I prayed and I tried to envision myself in this story this week, the Lord did something in my heart. And I felt like he said to me, Fran, you have been looking at this story wrong. You have not seen what I want you to see. So I invite you today uh, to take out your bulletins, and we are going to walk through this story. And, and I want to share with you just, just an insight, and it is not deep, and it is not profound, and it's one of those things that it is right on the surface. But for me, it has been liberating, and it has been freeing. To set up the story, in the book of Luke, Luke is telling the gospel. He is telling the story of Jesus. And there is a man who comes to Jesus. He is a lawyer. Uh, he is someone who has studied the Mosaic law. He has studied it. He knows it inside. He knows it out. There are over 600 laws in the, in the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. And he goes to Jesus, and the scripture, Luke tells a story, and he says, he asked this question to test Jesus, to test him. And, uh, you know, kind of, let's, let's see if you're the real deal. Kind of putting him on the spot. And he says, Jesus, out of all those laws in the Old Testament, well, they didn't call it the Old Testament, but out of all the, because there was no New Testament yet, it is being written. But he said, out of all the laws, which one is the greatest? Now, here's what I love with Jesus. Like any good therapist, he goes, what do you think? <laughs> and I think if Jesus had said to me, it's like, no, dude, I ask you the question. Don't turn it around on me here. But he, but he does. He says, what do you think? And the guy, or maybe he was warning to say, I know the answer. I know the answer. I know the answer. I don't know. But he basically says, well, he said, love God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. He's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And then he gives a second one, love your neighbor as yourself, which is from the book of Leviticus. This man has wisely taken over 600 laws and kind of synthesized what the two main ones are. Love God, love your neighbor. And Jesus goes, good job, A plus, you got it right. And then, and this is where our story picks up here in the bulletin, Verse 29, but, but, he said, but, but, he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I identified with this lawyer so much this week because when I think about who is my neighbor, I want to ask, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? I want to justify. I want to say, Lord, have, have I, have I laid, left it all on the field? Have I heard the cry of the needy? You know, in our, in our communion meditation or the liturgy, it says that we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not heard the cry of the needy. And, I, and it goes on, it says, free us to be a joyful church. And it's like, ah, that's my heart. That's what I want to do. And I feel like this guy had, I mean, he had studied the law. He was a religious person person and he wanted to justify himself and he was asking have I done enough have I done enough he wanted to justify himself and so he asked Jesus who is my neighbor who am I to care for 
Is it my neighbor that lives next door? Is it the Romans who are occupying Israel right now? Is it my fellow uh, lawyer friends? Is it the priest? Is it the poor? Is it the wealthy? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a parable. Not It didn't really happen, but he tells this parable. And, and you're familiar with it. First he says there was a man. He was going down the road from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he's, he's robbed. He's beaten. Um, he's left for nearly dead. And three people come by. You see it there in verse 31. The first one that comes by is a priest, religious person. He sees the man, and he passes by. So let's got that in. Levite sees him, and he turns away. Kind of like me in the grocery store parking lot when somebody wants $10. Or somebody comes to the church, and they say, if you can just give me some money, I just need some gas, I'm traveling. And I, and I you know, sometimes I'll give, sometimes I won't. But I want to turn my head. I don't want to see. The Levite, he sees him. He passes by. And then the hero of the story, it's the Samaritan. And he sees him and he takes pity and he goes to him. He sees him, he takes pity, and he goes to him. Now, think about this right here because I think this is what the Lord showed me in verse 36 Jesus responds and he says Mr. Lawyer <laughs> which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers so <clears throat> the lawyer asked a question who is my neighbor have I done enough? Jesus said, Mr. Lawyer, Fran, Martha Bowman, you're asking the wrong question. The right question is, who is a neighbor? What does a neighbor look like? What's the attitude of your heart? And then he says, the one who had mercy on him. In this story, how many people did the Good Samaritan help? One. One. He didn't help every person that was on the road that day. He didn't help every person who had ever been robbed. But here's what he did. He went deep with one individual that was on his road that day. I'm going to say that again because this was very liberating to me. He went deep with the one person who was on his road that day. Andy Stanley, uh, who is uh, a minister up in Atlanta, uh, pastor of North Point uh, Church, just a huge mega church. I was at a conference one time and he said something that, that is so wise. And he says, do for a few or do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And I think that is the wisdom that is in this parable is that it is absolutely impossible to go deep with every person that you meet, with every need. But don't let that paralyze you so you don't do something 
excuse me, for anyone. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine today, uh, Sally Waldorf. Uh, she was at the 8.30 service, and, and so I was saying, hey, how are you doing everything? We were catching up. She said, well, I just got back from Uganda. And she and her husband um, have been going to Uganda for years. And I asked her, I said, how many years have y'all been going? And she said, gosh, I've lost count of how many trips, but I'm guessing over 10, 10 years we've been going. We keep going back to the same ministry, to the same location. And I said, Sally, what is that like to be in a place where the needs are as great in Uganda as they are? And she said, it is so hard to go and to not, you know, to see all of the needs. She said, but we have tried to go deep with one ministry over time. And so I think what kind of helps me in this, and this story is liberating to me in this sense, is that I think it tells us is that we can't meet all the needs everywhere, but it is so much more impactful to go deep over time with a smaller group of people than to go wide and to go shallow over a short period of time. So what this looks like for us um, at Martha Bowman is, is that for over 10 years, um, I was asking Griff how many, how many did you say Griff? How many years have we been going to Tijuana? 15 years. Our church has been in partnership with one ministry in Tijuana. And so we are able to go deep over time. And my question to you and my question to me is, who is God calling you to go deep with over time? You know, maybe there is one agency, one nonprofit, one ministry, one person, that that is the one that God is calling you to, to go deep over time. The other thing that I felt like the Lord just kind of just put in my heart, and this actually came out of a book that I read this weekend, and it's called Present Over Perfect. Um, it's a great read, uh, but I loved the title of that because uh, the book's a good read, but the title is the best part, if you ask me. <laughs> but that whole idea of being present over perfect, and I think the lawyer was saying, I want to do it perfectly. I want to obey the fullness of the law. I want to do it perfectly. And I think what Jesus was saying was, I'd really rather you to be present. And so I want to ask this question as we think about this week. Who are the people who are on your road today? Who are on, who's on your road? Who do you interact with? You know, it might be the, the person at Starbucks that does your coffee. It might be, um, you know, the, the person that checks out your groceries at, at Kroger or at Publix. It might be your coworkers. Who is on your road today that you want to be present with? You want to see their pain. You want to give them your full face. You want to listen to them. And I think that the tension is, is that when we're so busy and we're so distracted, like the priest and the Levite, and we've got all this stuff going on in our heads and we have not built margin into our lives, it's hard to be present with the person that is in front of you. For those of you who are married and for those of you who have kids at home, you know who's in front of you today? Your wife is in front of you. Your husband is in front of you. Your children are in front of you. I want to I wanna just encourage the husbands. When you come home from work, find some time 
to ask your wife, how was your day? And this is what I want you to do. I want you to put your cell phone away, and I don't want you to check it. I don't want you to look at it. And I want you to look in her eyes and say, how was your day? Tell me what the best part of your day was. Tell me what the worst part of your day was. And I want you to listen to the deep places of her heart without trying to fix, without trying to, to, to you know, say, well, you should do this. or I, that. Listen to the deep places of her heart. Moms, what about your kids? What about when they come home from school? What about at the end of the day? Are you so busy getting supper ready? Are you checking Facebook? Are you on your phone? Set your phone away. Look full in your child's face and say, tell me about your day. What was the best part? What was the worst part? Give the people in your life the gift of your full attention where your heart hears what their heart has to say. Who is on your road today? It's your family members, it's your brothers, it's your sisters, if you're in college, it's your roommate. Um, it is the people that you are doing life with. And so I think that's what the Lord was just kind of freeing me up this week as I read the story of the Good Samaritan, was it's not about helping every single person in the world, but it's being present to those who are in front of you today, hearing their heart, heart hearing their hurts, and binding their wounds. The surprise for me at the end of this story, and I was not expecting this at all, too. So I'm looking at it in my Bible, and, uh, you know, I'm looking at it in Luke. And in my Bible, it's got, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan. And then my Bible has these titles as it's moving from one section to another. Do you know what story comes immediately after the Good Samaritan? I did not realize this until this week. So maybe all the Bible scholars. Does anybody know what story comes right after the Good Samaritan in the book of Luke? Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary. So, okay, I don't know if y'all are getting this connection, but the story of Martha and Mary, she's got a Bible open back there. No, Daisy. <laughs> Lydia and I were on the phone yesterday. She, she was kind of helping me process this sermon and develop it. <laughs> Her fingerprints are all over it, though. It's good. Um, but the story of Martha and Mary, I thought this was so interesting to me. So the big idea with the story of Martha and Mary, as you know, Martha's serving. She's all distracted with her serving. She complains to Jesus, Lord, all these people are at my house. I'm doing all the work. Make my sister Mary do some of the work. And Mary was commended because she was sitting at the feet listening to Jesus. And so as I was putting these two together, kind of what I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart was, sit at my feet, worship me, listen to me, ask that I would see as you see, hear as you hear, that my, my heart would hurt for what God's hurt, heart hurts for, and move towards those who he has put in my path, go deep, over time, go long. And I think that is the big idea of the Good Samaritan. Now, imagine, imagine what would happen. I don't know how many of us are sitting in this room, but imagine if each one of us did that. Imagine that 10, 15, 20 years from now, we all gather and we get back in this room together and you say, you know what? 
I decided that I was going to sponsor a child through Compassion International. I know I can't feed every single hungry child around the world, but you know what? I can make sure that there's one child somewhere on the globe that will go to bed tonight knowing that they have clean water, they have education, and they, and they have food tonight. Maybe it is, um, you know, make an outreach. Maybe it is um, out of darkness. Maybe it is, I don't know. But imagine the difference that we can make if we go deep, we go long over time with one people group, one ministry, one nonprofit here in town. Can you imagine? Imagine that it is the next 20 years when we're all sitting in this room together. And, you know, you said, I made a decision that when my wife walked in the door, I was going to set my cell phone down. And when the house got quiet, I was going to say, tell me about your day. And I was going to listen and I was going to look at her full in the face. And I was going to make sure that we connected. Can you imagine the impact that that's going to have on your marriage and on your children? Who's that one person that needs your full face today? Who needs you to listen to their heart? Imagine the difference that you're going to be able to make in your relationship with that one person to give them your full face. The Good Samaritan, he did not help everyone, but he did help one man. And that is what made the difference. Let's pray.